Welcome to Ag Future presented by Alltech. Join us from the 2022 Alltech One Conference as we explore opportunities within agri-food, business, and beyond. Seems safe to say that the world did a double take as three-year-old Rich Strike came from far behind to shoot across the finish line and win the 148th running of the Kentucky Derby at Churchill Downs in Louisville, Kentucky. And according to his owner, all of that restlessness and even biting that happened immediately following the race was just the behavior of an antsy horse that wanted to keep on going. You might wonder how this very spirited stallion takes to being saddled. I'm Tom Martin for the Alltech Ag Future podcast series, and that's one of the many questions in the debate about training young horses addressed by the research conducted by Dr. Brian Nielsen, professor of equine exercise physiology at Michigan State University, and he is here with us to share his findings on the benefits of training young horses. Thanks for being with us, Dr. Nielsen. Tom, thank you for having me with you today. This is a topic I'm passionate about. I'm sure, and, and it's a fun time to be passionate about it. That's uh, thanks to Rich Strike. While some of the pros start training racehorses at a very young age, many wait until a horse is four or five years old. And the argument has been that two years old is too early in a horse's development to begin that training. You have evaluated epidemiological studies as well as physiological data on equine bone, articular cartilage, and tendons to better determine the impact of training and racing two-year-old horses. What does your research tell you? There is a, a lot of information out there on this topic. And yes, in 2021, we published a review article where we went through dozens and dozens and dozens of published research findings. And pretty much unanimously, researchers across the whole entire world have come to the conclusion that training young is a good thing. And that does fly in the face of what most people generally believe. Uh, it's often been thought that, you know, good trainers wait until the horse is skeletally mature. But from the standpoint of bone, and that's the area that I tend to work tremendously in, um, we have the greatest ability to make changes in bone, making it stronger when these horses are young and growing. And I'm going to just briefly describe two different bone phenomenons. One is called bone remodeling, and that's what people who know a little bit about bone talk about. And then there's bone modeling, and actually only the bone purists tend to discuss bone modeling. I'm from Michigan. We have potholes in our roads. And the comparison I would use is with bone remodeling, it's like taking a pothole and fixing it. You're not making the boat or the road stronger. You're just fixing damage that's there. And that can happen throughout the life of the road. Kind of like with bone remodeling with horses where you take out old or damaged bone and replace it with new. You're not making it stronger. You're not you know, making it so it can withstand uh, racing that much stronger. But let's talk about bone modeling, and that's what people tend to ignore. This primarily happens when that horse is young and growing, and it's the process by which you make bone bigger or change the shape in it. And effectively, it's kind of like when you build a road, you can decide whether you want to have this just little country back road, gravel road, two-lane road, four-lane road, or a super highway. It's so much easier to do that as you're developing it. And that bone modeling only occurs while that animal is growing. Once it's stopped, you lose the ability to make that bone stronger. 
Just briefly, same things with things like tendon. I was attending the International Conference of Equine Exercise Physiology in the late 90s in Japan. Researchers from uh, the, uh, uh, the UK, not the University of Kentucky, where we're near, uh, but over uh, doing research over in Europe, and they showed that the only way to make tendons stronger is to train horses when they're young. And that was 20 some years ago and their research is still backing it up. Um, so with all of our tissues, you have the better chance to make it strong by training while young. And I'll do a comparison to human athletes. We don't look at our Olympic athletes and say, hey, you need to be skeletally mature before you start to train or compete. You need to wait until your early 20s to do that. No, if you wanna be successful in the Olympics, the odds are really good that you started when you were young. Now, as, as we'll talk about, of course, there's injury risk, but there's injury risk to all athletes, regardless of their age. I mentioned three-year-old Rich Strike in the introduction, but you cite Justify, the winner of the 2018 Triple Crown, as an example of the controversy around running a horse that had not raced as a two-year-old. Research published in 2003 determined that musculoskeletal injuries are the greatest cause of racehorse turnover. Is it more beneficial to the horse to allow more time for it to become skeletally mature? Well, a couple things. You bring up Justify, and let's talk about him first. Uh, the thing is, is when he won the Triple Crown without ever having raced as a two-year-old, on social media, people went wild saying, see, if you don't race him as a two-year-old, they can win the Triple Crown. Now, these people were missing the fact that there's not been a horse that had won the Derby having not raced as a two-year-old since Apollo in the late 1800s. So we went a hundred and some years without having a horse that didn't race as a two-year-old win the Derby. And you have to win the Derby to win the Triple Crown. So there's that huge flaw with that argument, but don't let flaws with arguments get in the way of comments on social media. But it is what inspired our research paper. The thing is, is we do have concerns with injuries, again, regardless of what age these animals are being trained at. Uh, and, and the thing is, is allowing time to let that horse get skeletally mature without training it makes that bone less strong. That seems contradictory compared to what most people tend to believe, but it is that training while young that does make it stronger. People can really mess up young horses and they certainly can mess up old horses. One of the problems that we get with young horses is oftentimes people train by the calendar. And I'll use the example of the Kentucky Derby. Um, and every year except for 2020, Kentucky Derby is run on the first Saturday in May. So three years earlier, a horse being born, if you want them in the Kentucky Derby, you know what day that horse is going to be racing. That's fine, but how do you know that horse is, how that horse is gonna be doing on that day? I often say that we need to be very cautious about training by the calendar. And the idea is oftentimes you'll see people, if a horse isn't ready, they'll do things to force that horse to be ready. And this could be a show horse where you're doing things, you know, in, in your training process to make this horse perform better with our race horses. Um, the idea is you don't want to hide injuries. You need to give a horse time off if you have an injury develop. But the research epidemiological data has shown that horses that race and train when they're two-year-olds, they actually have less injuries than horses that you hold off until they're older because they got adapted to the stresses that are being 
placed on them. Again, I look at a human. It's kind of fun to go back to that comparison. You know, without having played sports when you were in middle school and high school, you're probably not going to be as ready for the college level or the pro level if you would be one of those people with enough talent to last that long. A racehorse carries nearly a half ton of weight on those spindly legs at breakneck speed. What are some concerns about the effects of starting training at a younger age in that context? You're right. They, they have very small legs, but it is amazing the forces that it can withstand. Hmm. The thing where we mess horses up, and I'll admit, we often manage our horses incorrectly. The very first study that I did when I arrived at Michigan State University in 1996 was to look at whether or not sticking horses into stalls resulted in bone loss. And we did a study. We had long yearlings. They became two-year-olds, but we took half of them and put them in stalls, kept the other half out on pasture. The ones in stalls, we even walked them an hour per day on a mechanical walker. So they're getting some exercise. After three months, we uh, you know, started them under saddle and had two months of just your normal race training, you know, walking, trotting, some galloping, but nothing super fast. And what was interesting is those horses that we put in stalls, within the first month, they had a noticeable loss of bone mass. And it stayed low regardless of even having these horses in training for two months towards the end of that study. Let's compare it to what we often see with our racehorses. We have horses that are worth six figures, seven figures, and they are so valuable that you know people treat them with kid gloves. They'll often go ahead and they'll, as they're getting them ready for sales, you know, they have two to three months of being hand walked. They aren't allowed to be horses. They aren't allowed to be outside roughhousing with other horses. So they're put in stalls and they never have access to speed. Speed is what makes bone stronger. Now, people get scared of speed and then you end up in this scenario where the thing that's going to make the bone stronger, you don't allow that horse to do because you're so scared of it getting injured. And by doing so, you actually make that horse more prone to injury. So if you have two to three months of, of sale prepping your horse, making it look good, and they, boy, when they go through the sale ring here at Keeneland or Fossig Tipton, they're gorgeous. But that horse that's been out on pasture playing, getting sunburnt, all that thing that a normal horse would is probably better equipped. So then you take that horse, you put him into race training. The first couple months are slow. That whole time that horse's bone mass has gone down and you've made that horse susceptible to injury. We've been trying to get the word out, and a lot of people are catching on to that, that you do need speed in order to make that bone strong. We've been talking about thoroughbreds up until now. I'm wondering about um, other breeds. What about early training with other breeds like standard breeds and, and others? Yeah, early training works for all. At Michigan State, we have uh, an Arabian herd. And when I got started there in doing this first project, the, the farm manager was very much of the opinion that, well, you, you can't do this with Arabians. And I'm like, why? And the response is because they're Arabians. And I was like, they're a horse. And, um, and, and actually, their bones adapt just like any other. Now, there are different growth rates, and especially some of these horses that aren't uh, pushed for growth. They aren't as big. I'm a little guy. You know, I've been an exercise rider since 1989 and eventually got my trainer's license. But, you know, I'm, I'm a guy who can ride pretty much all horses. Um, this is why I like racing. It's the one sport I feel kind of big. Um, 
you're laughing at me because you're seeing I'm, I'm, I'm small I'm, stature. I'm understanding what you're saying. <laughs> and, and the point is, is if you're small, you can ride a horse without doing any damage. If you are a normal-sized adult, uh, you know, if you're six foot tall and 250 pounds, riding this young, let's say, an Arabian that might be 700 pounds, that's probably not a good idea. And so... With everything, we do need common sense. And, you know, you, you limit the amount of force you're putting on them, but that training is good. And actually, even more so than just training, it's the management that we do with these animals. The fact that if you treat them with kid gloves and you never expose them to, you know, stressors, they become wimps. They become weak as opposed to being something that can handle that type of, of training. But the same thing is going to apply for all the different breeds. But I do recognize that there are differences in growth rates. What are the findings about risk or injury for thoroughbreds and standard breds that are older than four years of age compared to those younger horses? Surprisingly, the research is really clear, and it kind of surprised the individuals who first did the research um, because they were hoping or expecting to find that horses that started training later on in life would have less injuries. And actually, the results were the opposite. Uh, and it was, it was an animal rights group that initially funded some of this, and they were probably very disappointed with their results because they were hoping to show, wow, it's bad to race or train young. So no, you do decrease the injury rates. But the one thing that I, going back to this training by the calendar, if we have, and I mentioned the Kentucky Derby, first Saturday in May, if you have something on the calendar that you're targeting that horse for, you have to be very willing to say, hey, we have a setback. We're just going to cross this off the list. The horse that won the, the Preakness, early voting, they opted to skip the Derby because the horse wasn't ready. And the result was he won the Preakness stakes. But it's often hard for trainers to say, you know what? It's in the best interest of the horse let's just skip it. Let's take some time. We've hit a, a, you know, a bump in the road. If we're willing to do that, then we can avoid a lot of those problems. But you do have more bumps in the road if you wait until they're skeletally mature. I'll give you actually an example. I bought a, a four-year-old racing quarter horse. I plan to race up in Michigan. And actually the ironic part about it is my biggest concern with him is he hadn't been in training yet. Instead of being somebody who is like thankful that here's a horse that had not been raced or anything like that, until he was, you know, four, that was actually a concern because I understand the research. Three weeks after I bought him the track, I was going to race him at close, so it didn't make a difference anyway. But is it known how much exercise is too much for a young horse? Well, what I will do is I will compare it to a paperclip. Bone works similarly. If you take a paperclip, bend it back and forth, you get stress hardening and eventually it will break. So bone can work that same way, except Unlike metal, bone has the capacity to heal itself. So where we get into trouble is if you're beginning to get those microfractures, that damage, and, and I'll compare it. There's a problem in racehorses that's called uh, dorsal metacarpal disease, buck shins. A very similar ailment occurs in humans. It's called shin splints, and if people have run, that's what it is. It's little microfractures. With humans... That happens, and you tell your coach, say, hey, coach, my shins are sore. And the coach says, okay, hopefully the coach says, okay, take some time off to allow it to heal. If we do that with the horses, 
That's great. A lot of people will ignore what the horse is telling them, though. I mean, there's the clues, there's the signs. And the problem is, is if we give anything to hide the pain, pain is there for a reason. It's a good thing. It says, don't do that. And so the deal is, um, it's going to vary. If you have bone that is adapted to high rates of speed, you have this iron-legged horse that can withstand anything. If you have a horse where you've managed it incorrectly, you've kept it in a stall, allowed no access to speed, then what you end up with is a horse that has really weak legs and you're going to get that damage much quicker. So there isn't an easy answer as to how much is too much. You need to pay attention to your horse and you need to go ahead and prevent yourself from getting your horse in a setting where it's going to be losing bone mass because of inactivity. What about the role of nutrition at a young age? How does it figure or factor in? So nutrition is, of course, absolutely important. And as everybody understands, you know, we have uh, calcium requirements and everything else that goes along with it. Here's what's really interesting. In uh, the, I think it was around 2005, I was invited to speak over in Germany at an equine nutrition conference. And some of the researchers there had been using these markers of bone formation and resorption in various nutrition studies. And they've kept finding that there was no treatment differences. And so they asked me to come speak on that. And I analyzed a lot of our nutrition studies from our my laboratory. And yeah, I was seeing the same thing. There was no treatment differences, hardly at all. Now, keep in mind what this was, was a case of where we were looking at horses that were fed a balanced diet and then tweaking it a little bit more. Now, I also looked at all these various studies where we altered exercise. And in almost all the cases, we are finding treatment differences. The big take-home message is these markers of bone formation and resorption, they actually work. They tell you when differences are happening, but the influence that exercise or the lack thereof plays a huge role. Now, I want to throw out, this doesn't mean nutrition isn't important. It absolutely is. You need to have the absolute correct one because if you don't have those building blocks in there, good luck. But if you're having problems, Blaming it on nutrition may not be the right place to place the blame from the standpoint of you cannot make bone strong without the right exercise. You also need the right nutrition. You need them both. They have to work together. But just feeding them right isn't going to do it. And, and as a result, sometimes you have to quit blaming the nutritionist when the actual person to blame is you in the way you're handling mm -hmm. the horse. Well, Brian, I know that you were actually there. You were in the stands at Churchill Downs when Rich Strike blew mines and caused literally jaws to drop around the globe. Uh, if TV ratings are an indicator, the viewing audience for the NBC Sports telecast of the Triple Crown races fell 47% between 2019 and 2020, and the racing industry has been concerned about a declining audience. As one who follows the sport, do you think this rich strike derby victory might provide some sort of a shot in the arm, a fresh draw to the sport? It was so fun when he won. I, I'm sitting there and we're like six rows off the rail and I didn't hear a single person upset with the horse that won. Normally you'd have like, ah, man, my horse lost. Everybody was so amazed that this horse that wasn't in the race, you know, on Thursday mm -hmm. ends up winning it on Saturday. Um, 
And that was fantastic. And I was visiting with people in my hometown here just on Sunday, and so many of them were coming up to me. This was after church, and they were talking about the the race. And and one of the ladies actually mentioned that when she found out he wasn't running in the Preakness, well, then she didn't have interest in watching the race. It generated so much excitement. Now, of course, he didn't run in the Preakness, and that was disappointing. But in a way, it was good. You know, it's wonderful when a trainer and the horse handler opts to do what's in the best interest of horses. And that's what I, I tend to preach. And the beautiful part is, is now we have the Belmont to look forward to. And so you when you have early voting versus rich strike, uh, and now you have this thing, who knows what's going to turn out. But I guarantee you, we as a society, we love an underdog. We love a great story. And when I think it was the second longest shot in the history of the Derby, you know, that actually won... That's great. That's what dreams are made out of. And uh, I guarantee you the viewership for the, the Belmont, it's going to be up there. I'm going to be tuned in. Well, you know, you're, you're right. I, I was, uh, as a layperson, listening to the radio when the word came that Rich Strike was not going to run in the Preakness. And, uh, and my initial response was, well, you know, that's pretty thoughtful. Uh, they could go for it, but they're, they're thinking of the horse. It's important stuff. Definitely. Dr. Brian Nielsen, Professor of Equine Exercise Physiology at Michigan State University. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me here. For the Alltech Ag Future Podcast, I'm Tom Martin. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to Ag Future wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs>